Hey lovely freaks and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Amanda. And I'm Hannah. And if you're new here, hi, welcome. If you like things strange and unusual and true crime, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button. You can also head down to the description box and you'll see a link that will take you to our link tree, our Instagram, at Lovely Freaks Podcast, Facebook, and all that jazz. And all that jazz. So, ow, the cat. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Stepping on our booties. Yeah. Um, so we are going to talk about a, um, we're just going to hop right in today because I don't really have anything to talk about at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, really don't. We yeah. did our live Q&A. If you guys want to see the video, um, we could post it, but it's going to be sideways because I'm a dumbass, but that's okay because <laughs> <laughs> it was sideways whenever we were filming yeah. it. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, so, if, but if you guys want to see that, let us know and we'll post it. But uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. We're not going to waste any time. So today we're going to be talking about a husband and a wife uh, murder case. Hmm. This is a, a husband that murdered his wife. Um, and this case is about Helen Kraft and Richard Kraft. So this murder was like one of the most gruesome murders in Connecticut. And it also kind of became like an inspiration behind the 1997 film Fargo, which I've never actually seen that movie all the way through. I've only seen like parts of it, and I know it has to do with a wood chipper, which this has to do with a wood chipper. This is I've called never seen that. What is it? Fargo. Fargo. It's like a big like like cult following movie from uh. the 90s. Yeah, but I haven't seen it. Weirdly. I've seen it, like, I know the gist of the movie and all that, but I've just seen, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Clips? There we go. (laughs) So, anyways, um, we're gonna jump right in here, and we're gonna start with Helen. Kind of talk about her, and then we're gonna go to Richard and kind of talk about him, like, you know, their life before they got married. So, Helen, Laura, I think I might say this right, Helen... Lorick Nielsen. She was actually um, an only child. She was born in Denmark. So she's from Denmark. In 1947, January 7th. Can't think of what she is. January 7th. January oh, she's a cancer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> she spent her childhood in a small village in North Denmark. Helen was a vibrant, outgoing child who enjoyed school very much. She was really intelligent. And um, she was just one of those kids that liked to read and, and, you know, all that stuff. Hmm. I don't know. I can't relate. I wasn't one of those children. (laughs) I'm like, "Hmm." okay. (laughs) During her teen years, she learned French and English and was also able to understand German, Norwegian, and Mm. Swedish. Yes, she knew a lot of languages. Yeah. Helen attended college in England and later worked as an Ayer Perry in, I don't know. She, she worked somewhere in France. Okay. Yeah. That's all I know. (laughs) Um, by the time, and she also at one point worked in France as a nanny, I believe too. Mm -hmm. Um, by the time she was 20, while Helen was living in France, she got a job as a stewardess with Capital Airways. So, a lot of these, like, airlines I'm going to talk about aren't around now. But, yeah. Back then, they were pretty big. 
when she heard that Pan Am Air was looking for a stewardess in Copenhagen area, she applied for the job. So then she started working for Pan Am Pan Am Air. And that was that's like a really big like airline company back in the day as well. Now we're gonna kinda switch that's pretty much it. I mean that's that's all just she was really smart. She the fact that she knew a lot of languages like definitely helped her in her um working for an airline and being a stewardess yeah. because she was able to travel all over the world. She was a stewardess for a long time, even before she met Richard and she traveled a lot of a lot of different places. So Richard was born in New York on December twentieth, nineteen thirty seven. He was one of three children. His dad was a successful businessman, and they eventually moved to Connecticut, one of, like, the nicer communities in, in Connecticut. Richard's father was a World War I pilot, and he was also a college football coach. Um, so, Richard kind of... His father was very successful, and but he wasn't, like, an ass or anything that I know of. He also had a pretty normal childhood. There wasn't anything, like, crazy about it. He, um just really looked up to his father and he wanted to be as successful as him I guess you could say Richard graduated from Duran High um without like honors or anything he just kind of muddled his way through school he tried college but it didn't really work out for him so he dropped out and he joined the Marines in 1956 in the military Richard gravitated towards aviation and became a prolific he became a uh, helicopter. He, fl- he flew helicopters. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, he trained on a fixed-wing aircraft and quickly became certified as a pilot in the late 50s. In 1958, Richard was transferred to Korea and Japan. And during this time, um, during his time there, he also flew planes for, uh, for Air America and an organization that was recognized by the CIA. So, he was kind of like a big deal, you know. He was making, like, really good money. Mm -hmm. And when he got out of the military, he started working for Eastern Airlines. Where he was making even more money because he was a pilot. And pilots make a shit ton. (laughs) Well, it depends on what, like, rank they are. Because there's ranks with pilots. But I'm pretty sure he was probably high up there because he was, you know... A part, he was flying for Air America, plus he was part of like the CIA. So, um, he would date lots of stewardesses. He was kind of like a ladies' man. He would always get them with like his tales of being in the CIA. You know, he was just, yeah, awesome. And they were like, Oh my god, were you really? <laughs> Holy shit. So, in May 1969, Helen and Richard met both, um, while they were waiting for a flight in Miami. So they were both in Miami waiting for a flight. And they met each other. She was 22 and he was 31. So that's a pretty big age difference to me. Yeah. Um, it said also that he was engaged at the time when they met. But she like didn't have a problem with it. And they continued their love affair. Um, he also had like other relationships with women too. But I don't think they were really dating. Was it open like, did I they think, have an open relationship? I mean, I think it was kind of like a... He was a pilot and she was a stewardess. So, it was kind of like a... If we're in the same city together, let's screw. And then that's uh-huh. pretty much it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because 
this was in 1969, so it's not like you had a cell phone. You could call, like, if they were like, well, when I land in such and such, I'm going to be at this hotel, call me. Yeah. And But, you know, it's just, their schedules were crazy. So I don't think it was, like, a serious thing yet. They maintained an on and off again relationship for a few years, like I said, but they, they this happened for a few years. And they uh, would frequently fight in public and... Somehow, they would always, like, wind up back together. Like, they would break up. They would fight, have this big blowout. Some of the friends would see it, and then they would get back together later. Helen's friends were suspicious of craft, and some showed open hostility towards him. Like, he was kind of like a douchebag. And most of her friends couldn't understand why she was, like, attracted to him. Because, I guess he was just an ass. Douchey? Yeah. Then in 1975, Helen became pregnant with her first child. This was not, this was like out of wedlock. This wasn't something that was planned. But they eventually got married in 1975. However, some reports I read said that they got married in 1979. So, I don't know. Either 75 or 79, somewhere Mm -hmm. in there. After marriage, they bought a ranch style. Two more kids, so three all together. And she eventually went back to Pan Am Air, and they hired a nanny. And the nanny's name was Dawn, which will come into play later. like that name, Dawn. Dawn, yeah. Uh, together, their income was pretty intense for the, the 80s. This was the late 80s, and they made 125000 a year. So they were like the top 5% of wages earned in 1980. So they were, they were making lots of money. Hmm. Nowadays, that's like, I mean, it's good. One hundred twenty-five thousand a year is good, but that's not doctor Nowadays, money. No. <laughs> that's not no, doctor that money get now. You anything? Well, that's you know, most doctors now make like two hundred thousand, yeah, or more, one hundred fifty the least, I think. So Richard was one who he was like the guy. He he managed all the money, like. They had their money together. Like, they didn't have separate accounts, but he's he pretty much did it all. Um, <clears throat> and he had a very big gun collection. Their marriage was not all rosy, though. He would spend money on anything he wanted and tell her to deal with the finances. Like, you yeah. pay the bills, and then he'd go out and buy, like, guns, tractors, whatever he wanted, you know, to buy. Yeah. And I'm sure, I, I didn't see it anywhere in there, but I'm sure that if she wanted to go buy, like, a purse or something, he was probably like, no. No. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> we don't have enough money for that. Yeah, I just feel like that's the type of person he is. So, one of her friends said that he would also hit her and get physical, um, physically abusive. Because she would see, like, bruises on her eyes and stuff. Yeah. Or one eye. And so... He she would, would like, leave. cover it with makeup yeah. and stuff. He would also leave for days at a time and tell Helen he was, n- not tell her where he was going. Like, it wasn't that he was going to fly because he's a pilot. He, he would just, just leave. be like, I'm leaving. Or he would just leave and not tell anybody anything. Yeah. <laughs> not happened to me. In 1982, he became a part-time police officer and didn't get paid for this, obviously. Kraft would frequently hang out at the police station. He even... When he was, like, off-duty. Um, he even, I think, bought his own, like, police car. And... What? Yeah, it was weird. I, I, I didn't quite get that part. I didn't understand he that. He bought the police car and, like, would drive it around or something? Yeah. 
Which he didn't have to. He was a part-time police officer, but this was like a small town. You're not getting paid. Yeah. This is just like a volunteer thing. But then in 1996, he did get hired on as an actual police officer in Southbury, um, the town of Southbury. It was still part-time. He was only making $7 an hour, but he was also flying, too. So while still being a pilot... He's a busy man. He was also being a police officer when he was home, yeah. so he was, like, never there. During all this yeah. time, from the year um, from the year he was married to right until 1986, Richard continued to see other women. So he pretty much saw other women the whole time, and she kind of knew that. Hella was aware, and perhaps for the sake of the children, maybe that's why she kept up appearances and didn't leave. I don't really know. But their marriage was in trouble, and she knew it. Hella openly spoke about a divorce, and she told, like, several friends, and I'm sure he knew. In the summer of 1986, she retained a divorce attorney and later hired a private detective named Keith Mayo. And, um, he was a former Connecticut cop, I believe. And mm -hmm. so, he would gather, like, all the evidence that she would need to prove that Richard that was, was actually having an affair. Mm -hmm. Richard said later on that he never really wanted to be married. Like, he said that he just got... He said he just married her because they had a kid together. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but you had three kids, so... Yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> like, also he said that he... He said he wasn't in love with her. He just married her because they had a kid. And... Which people get married... I mean, there are people that get married for those reasons, but... Don't. Because yeah. it won't end well. Well. Yeah. I mean, if you have... It would be bad for the kid and you. And the whole marriage and just everything. It'll yeah. fall apart. If you have a kid with somebody, like, just... That doesn't mean you have to get married yeah. to them. Think about it. And then if you don't want to, you just be like, hey, I don't want to get married. Mm -hmm. But let's just have this kid. Yeah. So, November 18th. 1986, Hella was dropped off at her house by some of her friends after a flight that she had. And um, this is the last time that anyone would see her. Her friends were concerned when she didn't show up for work either the next... I don't know if it was the next day or if it was the next couple of days because, you know, she was a flight attendant so she might have been off for a few days and then had to go back. Yeah. But she didn't show up for work and this was unusual. This wasn't like her. Like, this wasn't somebody that missed flights or anything like that. She would call if somebody was sick. She also had told some of her friends that she was going to serve Richard divorce papers. It was either supposed to be sometime in that weekend that she got home or it was going to be like next couple of days he was going to get the divorce papers and she said um that she was kind of like nervous about what he would do she she told one of her friends that richard had said that marriage was forever and you can't get out of this you know but meanwhile remember he's having affairs yeah. constantly yeah <laughs> he's having affairs constantly marriage is forever and you can't leave but i'll go screw whoever i want exactly so he like I'm much pretty just sure. wants him to wants her to take care of the kids and then him do whatever the fuck he wants. Sorry, that's not yeah. a marriage. Yeah, she's not your mom. Yeah, <laughs> or your maid or your nanny maid. or anything or anything like that. She also told her friends, "If you don't hear from me, or if something seems strange, um, come look for me." So she 
like that was one big red flag to me. I was like, okay, well, yeah, she knows some shit's gonna go down. Maybe, maybe he's threatened her. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. After she didn't show up for work, they decided to call the police, and then they called Hell's attorney as well. The Newtown police said, "Don't worry, she'll show up." Keith Mayo, the detective, um, who was hired to like be the private investigator, later actually wanted an investigation done on the police department because they didn't take it serious enough right away. Of course they didn't. They never do. Yeah. And we already know what she told them and they just kind of blew it off. You know, and like, she'll show up. It's fine. Even though her friends were like, well, this is what she told us. We're kind of worried. But also, you can literally just go check her house. See if she's there. If she ain't there, like, then we got a problem. Yeah. And by the way, her husband wasn't reporting her missing. Just her friends. Yeah. I don't know if they talked. I didn't, I didn't really find that. They didn't even talk that. to the husband? Yeah, I don't know if they even talked to him. or I, I don't know. It was but they were situation. getting a divorce, so is he? was he still living in the house? Yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. She had not officially served him the papers yet. Oh, okay. So she just talked he about kinda it. He kind of knew. Yeah. They were in the talks, but yeah. Okay. Um, I thought uh, that motherfucker. I'd kick him out of the house. No, yeah, like, they took you get out forever though. This so she disappeared. Um, when did I say November eighteenth? Eighteenth. I was gonna say nineteenth, but yeah, she disappeared November eighteenth. They took till around the first of December to really start investigating. Are you serious? Good ass. And um, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, like, they they kind of investigated towards the end of November, but it, it was really around this time when they started. They interviewed the nanny, Dawn. She was a living nanny, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this tells you how much money these people are making because that's not cheap. She said on the morning of November 19th, so this is the day after she came back from her trip, Robert suddenly woke her up at 6 a.m., he said Hella was driving to his sister's house in Westport, and they would meet her there later. She thought this was odd because, like, there was a huge snowstorm, and it was barely visible outside, and the roads were really bad, so mm-hmm. she didn't understand that. She also didn't understand why we were all going to his sister's house, but whatever. And Richard also insisted, since the power was out, that they should drive to his sister's house and take the kids as well. Like... She's going to meet us there. We're going to take the kids. Excuse me, because the power's out. So, I guess maybe that's why they went. Because maybe they thought his... Maybe he was trying to make her think that his sister's power was on. Or whatever. I don't know. Uh, Dawn said... Oh, so... (laughs) Let me... I went too far. Um, He dropped her off. They all got in the car. Around 6.30-ish. And um, drove to his sister's. He dropped them off. And then he left. Yeah. Well, Hella wasn't there. And she said she thought it was odd, but she didn't really say anything. She's a nanny. She can't really be like, yeah, where the where hell is she? she? Yeah. yeah. So she just was like, okay, whatever. And then Dawn said that Richard finally came back to his sister's house, but he didn't come back till 7 o'clock that night. And when he did, Hella wasn't with him. Once again, nobody knows where yeah. she is. Later that night, though, Dawn was like, okay, I need to start asking him, like, where 
she's at. So she said, I asked him where um, Hella was, and his re- his reply was, I don't know. That's it. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Then why would you... Whatever. Why would you tell me that she was at here? Yeah, exactly. Like, where we're at right now. The next day, when she asked Richard the same question again... He told her, oh, Hella went to Denmark because her sis- her mom is sick. Okay, so we go from I don't yeah. know Why to, oh, she went story? to Denmark. Yeah, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Dawn also told investigators that she noticed the, f- um, for the first, like, she noticed that there was a piece of the carpet cut out in the master bedroom. Hmm. And... Richard told her that he had spilled some kerosene on the rug. I don't know why he would have kerosene, but the only thing I can think of is that maybe their heaters that they had back then. Well, I know some of the heaters were kerosene heaters, so I don't know if maybe that's what they had in their master bedroom. But that's what he told her. He spilled kerosene on it, and he was just, instead of, he tried to wipe it up, couldn't get it up, so he just cut the the rug. Like, why would you do? No one does that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Um, People just leave it there and be like, well, I guess i got to replace the rug. Yeah. So after talking to, um, well, it's the whole carpet. It's not just the rug. But still, why would you just cut out a piece of the carpet? And it was a pretty big piece. Like, I don't understand. It wasn't big enough for a body, but it was big enough to have, like, blood stains on it. Yeah. Whatever. So after this, then they decided, okay, we're going to talk to Richard. So they talked to him. They gave him a lie detector test. He passed. Of course. A lot of people in... awful. Yeah. A lot of people in the police department were like, oh, well, that means he's innocent. And a lot of people were like, no, it doesn't. You gotta remember this is in the 80s, so the lie detectors were like, oh, these are the best thing on planet Earth. Like, this is how we catch the criminal. <laughs> like, that's what they thought. Now they're not credible at can all. You, can you... Also, when I was, like, researching, I was like... Yeah, you know, that is that is true. Think about Maury Povich. Like, think about all those people who was like, you are not the father. Yeah, right? And then, like, all the lie detector tests that they took when they were, like, cheating. Have you ever had, have you ever cheated on? You, Dude, the yeah. lie detectors determined that was a lie. I was like, how many guys were actually telling the truth? And they, were, they just were just nervous because they were on TV or they were on a show. And now their relationship's over with because of that show. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Maybe that's why some of them got so angry and, like, stormed out. I'd be angry, too, if I was really not telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> or I was really telling the truth, yeah. Yeah, really telling the truth. So, things took a turn, though, when they started investigating a little bit more, and they started looking at his credit card history. And noticed that before he, before Hella disappeared, not he, sorry, um, he had purchased a large freezer hmm. and Suspicious. picked it up. He picked it up the day before she went missing. So also, um, Dawn said this was weird because the freezer that they had was working just fine. So he didn't understand. She didn't understand why he bought another one. Probably because it wasn't big enough. Yeah, for a body. They also saw that there was a charge for nine hundred dollars for a wood chipper. That's where it comes in play. There was a witness that came forward that said that he saw a wood chipper and a truck on the side of the road one day when he was, like, plowing the snow. And he even, like, said he thought it was Richard and Richard's description of his truck. Like, he was pretty sure that was it. They started searching the area. It was, like, a riverbank by the Mm -hmm. river. 
They found an envelope with Hella's name on it, which was like, you know, in the little window. It had her name. Yeah. Don't know what was in the envelope. I guess it was like mail. Um, they also found a chainsaw in the river and a piece of human remains on the riverside bank, kind of like near the river-ish mm-hmm. area. The chainsaw that they found had like, for some reason, it had the serial numbers filed off, but I guess they were able to like take it into technicians and do like some sort of testing to try to figure out the serial numbers. Anyways, they figured it out. It was a serial number that matched a receipt that Richard had bought this chainsaw back in 1991. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, all the pieces are lining together. Hmm. So, he bought this chainsaw. It was in the river. The body piece. I didn't mean 1991. I meant 1981. Sorry. The body piece by the river? There was a body. Did you say body piece by yeah. the river? So, do- so, what was it? I'm not done. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> Dr. Lee wrote in a book called Cracking the, Ca- Cracking the Case. He said, quote, Our team's efforts at Lake Zora, Zora, Zoro, I don't know, eventually led to the discovery of 2,660 strands of blonde hair, mm. 69 <laughs> silver... 69 silvers of human bone. I don't know what that means. Don't ask me. 50 drops of human blood. Two teeth. A piece of human skull. Three ounces of human tissue, which is not a lot. A portion of a human fingernail. I mean, of a human finger. A one fingernail and a portion of a toenail. Helicraft had been found essentially because they believed so well some of the dna from it did match her and uh well that was something okay so i say it matched her but that was something i never really figured out like i couldn't figure out if it i don't think they had enough human so tissue what i'm so confused so they found some body parts they found some, they found some tissue, and they said they it found was hers? some blood. Some reports said that it that it was her, but then other reports I read said that they couldn't determine whether it was her or not. But like there was the fingernail polish, matched fingernail polish that she had, like from the fingernail. Yeah, you but know? they didn't like take a DNA test. Well, I'm thinking if they didn't test it, maybe there wasn't enough. There was only five drops of blood. There was only three ounces of human tissue, oh. so there might not well, be enough the finger? to test. It was partial. It was a partial finger, oh. so hmm. it might not have been the fingerprint. So where's know. the rest of the body? Well, we'll we're, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> the little amounts that they did find um, actually came up as a problem later in court because this was the first time that they were going to try to try someone for murder without having a full body. Yeah. And that had never been done before. After this, they started investigating the home. In the home, they found blood in the house that matched Hella, which is a pretty big deal, but, you know, not substantial because that could have been blood from anything. Yeah. They also found that uh, Richard had 51 guns, hand grenades, and a crossbow. 
Yeah. He had 51, 51 guns. Plus. How the fuck? Why? Why? Exactly. And hand grenades? Like, bro, calm ready down. for the zombie apocalypse. Evidently. <laughs> on January 11th, 1987, Richard was arrested and held on a $700,000 bond and charged with the murder of his wife, Hella. In his pre-trial hearing in March, Hella's attorney testified, March of that year, um, Hella's attorney testified that she had told him that she was afraid for her life and that she was being physically abused. And he also said that he had the proof, like photographs of it. He also said that he had photographs of Richard with other women that the private investigator Keith had taken. Mm. And he just kind of explained that, you know, she was going to serve him divorce papers. This was like a messy situation, you know. This was all enough to send him to trial, obviously. And then the media ran crazy with the story. They were calling it like, uh, in the papers, it was like the, um, what was it? Wood chipper wife killer? Yeah, wood chipper killer, wood chipper wife killer, and yeah. a whole bunch of weird, you know, how the media is. Um, because of this, though, they had to move the trial, obviously, because people around there knew it pretty well. So they moved it to New London, Connecticut. Richard pled not guilty. He said he had no idea where she was. I don't know. Then who I, we killed her with yeah, a well, wood chipper? Yeah. Or that who, you bought. Wh- whose fucking body parts was that? And yeah. why was your chainsaw on the lake? Which they never... I, I couldn't find anything. Because we're going to kind of talk about the trial and all the questions that were asked. Kind yeah. of. But I couldn't find anywhere where the prosecution was like... So, uh, why was your chainsaw on the lake? Yeah. Like... You right by that? all these body parts. Yeah. Like, that's weird. A big coincidence. coincidence. So, but I couldn't find that because that would have been one thing. I would have definitely been like, okay. Um, the trial began in May 1988. It was the first murder prosecution. It was, sorry. It was the first time that, like I told you, that a murder. They didn't have a body. So that they didn't have a was body. Was going to be prosecuted in Connecticut without a body. Um, a lot of times this is pretty much impossible to do because you have to convince someone that someone is... You have to convince the jury that someone's dead without a shadow of a doubt and this person did it. Yeah. Even if they have small amounts of tissue and hair and things like that, it's just really hard. I don't understand why, because if I was on the juror, I'd be like, uh, yeah, he did it. I don't know. But I guess if you're trying to put someone away forever, I mean, you want to be... I say that, but if I was going to, like, be a juror for someone on death row or life in prison, I would probably be like, I gotta really know. Like... Yeah. (laughs) Because I don't want to later on down the line be like, you know what? I'm responsible for killing that person. Or, like, he dies and then they find someone who confesses. Yeah. yeah. That would suck. That would. The state was trying to show that he definitely did kill his wife and they didn't know... But they they were like, he did it, but I don't know how he did it. They had some theories, though, that he kind of... Probably hit her in the hit her in the bedroom, um, because you know there was that piece of carpet which yeah. they did get tested, but it didn't come back as any um, blood on it because like they through, thought like around the carpet or through the like boards or something. No, they through tested the carpet. The carpet. They oh, okay. they found it in like the dump somewhere. Like they went to a city dump and, and so they it. tested it and nothing was on. Well, it? Well, actually, they didn't. The private investigator did. Keith, yeah. that dude was was like serious about it yeah (laughs) 
So, um, but okay, so the theory was that he hit her, hit her in the head, possibly hit her, strangled her, whatever, then put her body in the freezer and then disposed of it with either a chainsaw or a wood chipper or both. Maybe like he used the the chainsaw to cut it up and then put the the pieces in the wood chipper. Yeah. But where's the body? Did he like feed it to some, some animal or something? No, if you put a body in a wood chipper, it's going to be into small, tiny little pieces. Oh. No. I didn't know. It's a wood chipper. I thought what? it was going to paint little itty bitty pieces, but like. I mean, like we're talking, it's going to shred. Oh, I thought maybe not that that little pieces. Like, no, yeah, really small. And okay. Okay. there were pieces found on this riverbank, okay. but some of them could have got washed into the river. Some of them could have got carried off by animals. I mean, this is like weeks later, so, you know, nobody knows. It's very smart to do a whip chipper. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I was just thinking, I didn't know, and now that I know, I'm like, wow, that's that's kind of smart. Jesus. Kind of smart. Sorry. It's a great idea. The cops are are like, huh? Anyway. I'm just saying. I didn't know. I thought it was like itty bitty pieces, and I was like, okay, well, what the hell are you gonna do with those pieces? But now that I know, it's like yeah, you know, chop it up really fine. I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. Um, they stressed how Richard didn't even report her missing. Like yeah. we said, they were like, yeah, he didn't report her missing. Her friends had to. Obviously, he didn't care. He was also making up stories the whole time, like she was in Denmark, but there wasn't any evidence of that. Like we said, this is what the defense is saying. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the prosecution. So now the defense was saying that um, his wife was definitely alive. She just decided to leave because the marriage was ending, which would be easy for her like to leave because she knows different languages. She could just disappear. She's but a flight why would attendant. She- hire a private why would she leave her kids yeah leave her kids but why would she hire a private detective to find out that you've been um cheating so she could get uh divorce papers and win the trial like why would she go through all that effort if she's just gonna leave just gonna leave and of course all of you are probably sitting there thinking yes but what about all those pieces of this body that was found on the river exactly well the prosecution brought in dr lee to testify He said, yes, I was able to match fingernail polish on the fingernail to polish that was in her home. Then another specialist came up and he said that he was able to match one of the molars from her dental work. That was the same type of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Molar, but like, uh. It was a fill-in. Like, it was a fill-in. Oh, fill-in. It was the same type that Helen had, had done. So, like, really crazy coincidences. They had to prove to the jury that she was dead and the pieces of her body they did find actually did match her um, without a shadow of a doubt. Like, they had to prove that that was her. Those were the pieces. They had to, without a shadow of a doubt, they had to prove all this. Helen's lawyer testified, like, the lawyer for the divorce Mm -hmm. testified that, um the nanny Dawn had said like he he said that yes so Dawn testified and said that he changed the story right yeah he changed the story and that 
you know, she did kind of seem like she was scared of him. Like, yeah. she knew that they would fight and yeah. have fights. And he testified, yeah, she would tell her friends and she would tell the nanny that she was scared of what he would do if she ever left or, yeah. or they ever got a divorce. The defense said um, that the evidence was, like, tampered with and that... The- that the envelope that they found with her name on it was, like, planted there, which none of this, you know, was bullshit. I mean, people could, some people could see right through it. They also but brought in But who else a- would do this? Think about it. Wh- who would, a random person, and also, it's a coincidence that, that a random person would also buy a wood chipper mm-hmm. and just decide to either kill him, or they're saying, like, she just ran away. Yeah. Like, an, a random person... Got a wood chipper, killed a random other person, well, and then got his chainsaw and just sat it there. Like, that's just too many or coincidences. Or it was in the river. Yeah, yeah, or sat in the river. Like, that's just stupid. Like, use your brain. Come on, let's do this. Let's get him Yeah. Let's get him down, down the road. Because that's pretty <laughs> much the only thing you could kill somebody with and have that small amount of pieces, I would think, would be a yeah. wood chipper. I mean, I can't think of anything else. I mean, else. if he did a chainsaw with all that that's a lot of effort yeah and my thing was well i guess it was because it took so long if they would have started searching for her sooner i feel like they would have found more and they would have found blood because maybe they would have found her maybe it was snowing so like i don't care if you froze the body well, I mean, if you froze the body, I guess there wouldn't be blood spurting everywhere. But I feel like there would be some yeah. on that snow. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Know. Or maybe they weird. would have found the body because maybe he, it took him a while for him to get to that point. Dispose of it. Yeah. yeah. Dispose of it. Um, They even had, so the defense even had like a friend come in and say, no, there wasn't a stain on that carpet. I don't know what that girl's talking about. Um, Which, whatever. I mean, that could just be bullshit. So, the jury deliberated. And, um... The jury deliberated for actually 17 days. Which Mm -hmm. is a long time. They could not come to a decision. And it ended in a mistrial. The first time. There was only one juror that couldn't make up his mind. And he couldn't decide without a shadow of a doubt that he killed his wife. So, he was the reason why it was a mistrial. Obviously, they all have to agree. Yeah. You can't just have... Every single person in that room has to agree with whatever sentence they're going to come down with. His second trial began September 7th, 1989. So, my son was born. Not 1989, but September 7th. Um, In another city, they basically did the same trial. I mean, everything was presented the same. This time, the prosecution kind of hit home that she would never leave her kids. There were people that would come forward that say, like, she would never leave her kids. She wouldn't just disappear and leave without them. Like, that was her life. Her kids were everything. After only eight hours of deliberation, the verdict came back. This jury decided that he was guilty. He was sentenced to 50 years in prison for killing his wife and even Richard's sister when they were, like, in the sentencing trial. Mm -hmm. His sister was even like, you need to give him the maximum sentence of what he can get. Like, he's a piece of shit, basically. He was 53 when he got sentenced to 50 years. Um, Some people didn't... Some people did say 
the trial was not fair because there was a lot of hearsay. Like, a lot of people coming forward saying, she told me that he hit her. She told me that she was scared. Which, yeah, hearsay is a pretty big deal Yeah, in, in a court. I mean, usually it's not taken seriously. Um, yeah, but, but I think there was also... quote, quote, coincidences. Like, yeah. that just doesn't happen. Yeah. So... But he is, uh, he's out now. Wow. He didn't finish his full 50 years. He's I'm sure 80. they released them. He he got released to a halfway house January um, of 2020, which is funny because right after that, COVID hit, so COVID. <laughs> he really couldn't go anywhere. Wow. Um, and I couldn't find anything out about his kids. Like, I didn't know if they ever talked to him again. I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't find anything out about them. Maybe they just wanted to stay out of the media. But, yeah. Hmm. That's it. He definitely killed her. Yeah, 100%. I definitely think so. I mean, I just don't see why. Okay, so you rented a wood chipper. Some other random person did, too. Um, The chainsaw just, you know, what? what You just they were like, fuck it. I'm done with it. And tossed yeah. it in the river. Tossed it in the river. <laughs> Way away from your house. Well, not that far away from their house, but it was a pretty good distance from their house. It's not like it was the river behind their house or anything like that, you know. And why would you chunk a chainsaw in the river? Like, that wouldn't be your go-to thing. Um, Was it working or no? Was the chainsaw working? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea if they... It wasn't working after it was in the river. And then (laughs) it's next to body parts that... Kind of match your kind wife. Kind of match yeah. your wife. Like, that's weird. Same nail polish. The part that I think is crazy is the fact that he... <sighs> like, I just want to know... Like, till, still to this day, he says that he's innocent. Which really pisses me off, because I want to know what happened. Like, he obviously snapped, because he wasn't, like... This is not a serial killer we're talking about. This is not yeah. a guy that's been... You know, this is not a Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, this is somebody that didn't grow up in a shitty household. Just snapped. He just snapped, I guess. I don't know. But also, just let your wife leave. If she's divorcing you, bye. You yeah, I don't deal understand with that anymore. either. I'm like, you can go have all the sex you want and exactly. guilt-free. I mean, you're doing it anyways because I don't think you're really having guilt. But, you know. Go get another wife. You got all those bitches. Yeah. <laughs> One of them will marry you, I guess. I don't know. Anyways. All right, guys. Well, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Um, We're going to have one for you Tuesday for sure. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be about a vampire. Yay. (laughs) Kind of like a vampire, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And we will see you guys next time. Um, Go ahead and like our stuff give us a review um you can also follow us on instagram at lovely freaks podcast and we will see you guys later bye